you don't mind, if you're able to physically do this, stand with me as we read Scripture this morning. Uh, this comes from Psalm 37. So if you have a Bible or Bible app and you want to trek along, you're welcome to do that. And as always, uh, in our Sugar Hill Church app, there's a button that says message slides or message notes, and you can trek along that way as well. But Psalm 37 has been a huge encouragement in my life, and I want to pass it along to you today, especially these first few verses. Listen to what it says. Psalm 37, this is written by David, probably later in his life when he's had some time to reflect and, and sort of mature. Here's what he says. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not get upset because of evildoers. We could pause there, couldn't we? Uh, your translation may say, don't fret, which is to get angry, worked up about something. Do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers. Why? For they will wither quickly like the grass. They will de decay like the green plants. Instead, trust in the Lord and do good. Live in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring out your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday sun. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not get upset because of one who is successful in his way because of a person who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and abandon wrath. Do not get upset. It leads only to evil doing. for evildoers will be eliminated, but those who wait on the Lord will inherit the land. Yet a little while and the wicked person will be no more, and you will look carefully for this place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Heavenly Father, we come to you around your word today. Lord, would you cause your words to pop off the page and impact our lives? Maybe you take a moment and just say, God, would you help me to hear you today? God, would you help me to hear you? It's in Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen. You may be seated. As we kick off beyond the norm, I'm sorry, Norm, that Chuck picked on you earlier. Um, but uh, as we kick off, this, the, we're, we're talking about peace today. And I don't know anybody that couldn't use a little more peace. Are you with me? I don't know anybody that's like, man, I've got so much peace, I don't know what to do with it. I think all of us could use a little more peace in our life. In fact, not too long ago, I read a book called The Peace Index. And we've got a cover of it we can throw on the screen but it's a fascinating book that talks about this idea that all of us have a number above our heads. We each have a number above our heads, and it's what he would call the peace index number. And the truth is, for a lot of people, they don't know what their own number is. But here's what I do know. If you don't know what your number is, your spouse knows what your number is. Your coworkers know what your number is. Right? There are days that our number is higher and we're more at peace. There's days that our number is lower. There's probably people in the office that's like, hey, how's Bobby today? Is he in one of those moods? Right? Right? Our peace number goes up and down like the stock market. Right? There's days it goes up. There's days it goes down. Sometimes it's from moment to moment to moment. But all of us have a number above our head. And what's interesting in the book, Jeremy talks about there's actually five sub-numbers that impact this. In fact, take a look at the circles on the screen. In fact, go ahead and pull out your phones. If you've got a calculator with you, we're going to do a little quick math together. So if you look on the screen, there's actually five circles around the edges that, that we're going to add up today. And so each of these circles represent a 0 to 100% value. So let me, uh, if you've got your calculator, let me walk you through it. Start with the top one, purpose. 
Purpose is essentially what gets you out of bed every single day. It's your sense of why you're on this earth to do, what you're on this earth to do. A lot of times, guys especially will think about it as their day job. I think it's bigger than what you do. I think it's more about who you are. But on a scale of zero to 100, 100 being, man, you know exactly, like every day you wake up with excitement and energy because you know what you're here to do. Just give yourself a number. Zero to 100. 90 to 100 is you're in a really good place. 80 to 90 is probably like, hey, it's pretty good, but there's parts of my day that I don't really love. Just on a scale of 1 to 100, go ahead and punch in your calculator what your number would be. No judgment here. Just be honest about it. Then once you punch in that number, 0 to 100, hit the plus sign. The second circle there is place. Now, you can interpret this a couple of different ways. You can think about the house that you live in, right? Does your house, does it feel like a place of peace? Does it feel like a place that you get rejuvenated? This could also be your office. You could be like, man, do I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm focused when I'm in my office? It could be your car. For whatever reason, when my car is trashed, I have less peace in my life. But when there's something about getting it detailed and it looking really good that I, I'm just more at peace. I don't know why. So give yourself, on a scale of 0 to 100, uh, what would your number be for the place that you spend a lot of your time? So punch that number in and then hit the plus sign. The third circle is provision. Provision is, do you have enough for what you need? Do you have enough to get by with the life that you have? It's not saying, are you rolling in it, right? It's not saying, do you have three houses and four cars and all the things, but do you, based on the season, the stage of life you're in, do you have enough provision? Do you have enough provision? So give yourself a number zero to 100, plug that in, and then hit the plus sign. The next one is personal health. A lot of times people ignore the impact that personal health has on the rest of their lives. They, they almost treat it like it's a separate thing. But if you talk to anybody, like my friend Allison shaking her head over there, if you're not feeling well physically, the rest of your life just doesn't go well, does it? On days that I have a migraine, I'm just not in my best place. So on a scale of 0 to 100, put in a number for how your personal health is and then hit the plus sign. The fifth one is people. Who are the closest people to you? Maybe it's your immediate family. Maybe it's your spouse and your, your, your kiddos. Maybe it's the people that are your favorites and your phone. Who are those five to ten people you're around the most? And ask yourself, are, are those life-giving relationships? And is this a, a relationship that encourages me? Do I know who I could call when life happens? Do I have people in my life that care for God's best in my life? On a scale of zero to 100, just plug in that number and then hit the equal sign. Once you've added those five together and you hit equal, divide that by five, average it, divide it by five, and Jeremy would say that's your peace index number. That's your peace index number. How many of you would say that your number is 90 or above? Show of hands. That's great. How many would say your number's in the 80s? Anybody? Last hour, it seemed like there was a lot of people in the 70s. Anybody 70s? Anybody not afraid to say 70 or below? Anybody not afraid to say that? No judgment here, right? It's just a thing. And what I love about Jeremy's book is not only does he give these five, but he gives some practical ways to increase that number. But I think all of us would say we need more peace. So here's the question. How do you do that? I mean, what would it look like to say, I don't want to just get by. I don't want to toss and turn every night. I don't want to be short with the people around me. I don't want to ignore the relationships. What would it look like to increase the peace? And so this morning, all I want to do very, very quickly 
is I want to give you five ways to drive that number up, five ways to increase the peace. You might call this your peace plan. And don't make fun of me. All five of these start with the same letter, all right? Don't, don't make fun of me. I'm, uh, as a preacher type, that works for me. So here we go, right out of Psalm 37. The first one, number one, if we want to increase the peace in our life, number one, we need to defer the role of God to God. Defer the role of God to God. And so he starts Psalm 37 and he says, do not get upset. That's probably the most broken commandment in all of scripture because we like to get upset. We like to fret. We like to ruminate over stuff. We like to let our blood pressure go up. We like all of those moments, but scripture tells us, do not get upset because of evildoers. Do not be envious of wrongdoers for they will wither quickly like the grass. They will decay like the green plants. Instead, trust in the Lord do good, live in the land, cultivate faithfulness. Then look at verse 4. Delight yourself in who? The Lord. One great way to increase the peace in our life is to quit looking at ourselves and to fix our eyes on Him. One of the reasons why in a lot of our lives, my, myself included, one of the reasons why peace goes down is because oftentimes we think we're in charge of our lives. We think we're the ones that are in control. We think the world revolves around us. We would never say that. Nobody got up this morning and said, all right, everybody sit down. I'll stand up. The world revolves around me. Nobody, hopefully, maybe some narcissist in the room might. I don't know. But we don't typically say that, but we typically live that way. If we're not careful, we'll act like we're in charge. We'll act like we're the person that's in control. But here's what David says in verse four. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. It's David's way of saying, make the number one thing in your life just to rest in God's presence. It's David's way of saying, hey, fix your eyes on him. That's one of the reasons why I love the songs that Pastor Zach and his team leads us in every Sunday. There's a lot of songs that we could sing. We just don't sing it. I love that he has this filter that our job when we sing isn't to impress anybody. Our job when we sing isn't for it to be a concert. Our job as we sing really is that's a tool to fix our eyes on Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me? He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And what happens when we take our eyes off of him and we put it on us, we act like we're in charge. We act like the world revolves around us. And then when the wheels fall off of life, no wonder there's no peace. We get so frustrated. We get so worked up. We start fretting, 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 fretting. And I think sometimes in the moment, God reminds us that he is God and we're not. In fact, I heard a preacher say this probably 20, 30 years ago. He said, if you want to get along with God then stay off his throne. It's pretty good advice, right? Pretty good advice. What would it be like? How many parents do we have here today? How many grandparents do we have? I, I recognize y'all have incredible jobs on this planet. You really do. We had some friends, several friends that have had babies over the last couple of months. And anytime somebody has their first child, they're like, really? Y'all trust me with this baby to go home from the hospital, right? There's no instruction manual. There's no test you have to take before you, you're like, I've, now I have to keep this person alive, right? It's, you know, uh, no, no stress. Don't blow it though. Um, for those of y'all that have been doing this a long time, Chuck has six daughters, right? He's, uh, I mean, just think about all, I mean, he's earned the gray hair, right? You know what I'm saying? He's, he's earned that. Um, 
can you imagine if one of your kids that you've sacrificed for, that you've gotten up in the middle of the night because they threw up, the, uh, the, the extra shifts you've taken on to try to take care of them, all the things. Can you imagine if one of them came home and said, hey, I just don't know if I can trust you today. What? I mean, you could go through a history lesson and say, remember all those times I got up in the middle of the night? Remember all the sacrifices I made? Remember, 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 maybe I wasn't a perfect, but do you remember? Can you imagine that hurts a parent's heart when a child says, I hate you, or a child says, I don't know if I can trust you. But can you imagine how it must hurt the heart of God when we, as his children, do the same thing? And we're like, I don't know if I can trust you. So number one, if we're going to increase the peace, number one, defer the role of God to God. The second one is to delight in your uniqueness. Delight in your uniqueness. As David's writing this, he, he says in verse 5, he says, commit whose way? Your way. My way. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. What David is saying, what God's saying through his scripture, is he's saying there's something I've designed you to do. There's something you're meant to do. There's a reason why you're on this planet. And when God looks down, he sees you as somebody that he made to look more like Jesus. God made you unique. How many of you know that? You know that God made you unique. How many of you looked at somebody and said, man, they're very unique? You know, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes you're like, yes, you are, Bobby. Awesome. But here's what happens. If we're not careful, we'll look at everybody else's way. We'll look at how everybody else is wired. We'll look at how, how everybody else is gifted. And David says, no, 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 no. As you trust in the Lord, as you wait on him, commit your way. That literally in the Hebrew language, what that idea of committing your way literally means to take whatever you're burdened by, whatever you're weighted down by, whatever that thing that, that just feels like it's overwhelming, the, the Hebrew language literally means to roll it onto God's shoulder off of your shoulders. He says, commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him and he will do it to commit to say, God, I'm giving it to you. And so God's job is to sit on the throne. Our job is to surrender. God's job is whatever he's designed us for. Our job is to surrender. And so if we want to increase the peace, number one, we need to defer the role of, of God to God to say, God, you're the one in charge. Number two, delight in your uniqueness. And then number three, deny your right to compare. Deny your right to compare. Do you know that comparison is one of the great stealers of peace? Do you know that comparison is a thief of peace? Do you know that comparison does not come from God? I think it's a strategy of the enemy. I think the enemy would love for any one of us to become discontent. Any one of us would... would uh, he would love for any one of us to question, does God really know what's best for our life? I think comparison is a thief. He says in verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. And then look at this phrase, trust also in him, and he will do it. That word trust is this picture of being face down on the ground with nothing. This idea of trust is to say, I, 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 I'm just empty. I'm done. I have nothing else. God, I surrender. But what comparison does, comparison says, hey, I'm going to look at somebody else and want what they have. This is one of the reasons why 
I have to filter what I look at on social media because how many, haven't you all ever had that moment where you get off of social media after you're doom scrolling and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so terrible. Have you all ever felt that? Has anybody ever felt better after being on social media? I'm not sure. That's why I follow positive stuff like Positive Talk Podcast. It's like I need a little encouragement. But comparison, right? Social media is where people take their highlight reels. It's where they take the best of the best of the best, and they've got the filter, and they, they've done just the right pose. They've got the dimple popping out. They put, you know, they do the little glow thing or whatever. On social media, everything looks great. And I've talked to families where they look at social media. They're like, man, that family looks so perfect. They're always on vacation. And it looks like they're having fun. They go to Disney and they've got all the matching shirts. Do y'all do that? I have to admit, Laura had a Disney shirt for me a couple years ago. Sorry to admit that. Did I lose my man card for wearing that? On social media, you get on social media, it's like, everything's great, everything's great, everything's great. They're on vacations, their kids are wearing matching clothes, they look all cute together. And then I talk to other parents, they're like, man, I can't even get my kid to keep their shoes on before we get out of the house, right? But the truth is, you never know what that other person's life is like. The truth is, you don't know the drama that was going on before or after the picture. In fact, sometimes... Y'all know what live pictures are? I know iPhones do it. I don't know about evil Android phones, but I know on, <laughs> on iPhones, uh, there's a setting where when you take a picture, it actually captures like a second or two before and after. And so sometimes when our family will send us a picture, everything looks great. But if I hold down on the picture, it shows you and you see all the, get back over here. And then they're like. <laughs> but comparison says their life is great. I think it's Dave Ramsey or somebody like that that says it this way, that when we compare, what we end up doing is we end up buying things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we do not know, and we go broke trying to look rich. Got really quiet here for a second. Comparison is a thief. He says, commit your way, trust him. Number four, direct your heart to find the will of God. Direct your heart to find the will of God. And so he says in verse seven, he says a word that doesn't really come naturally for most of us. He says, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. That word rest literally means to be silent. That word rest literally means to wait for him to act. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently. How many of you love to wait? How many of you go to the DMV and you say, man, I hope I'm here for half the day. Anybody? You're like, well, why don't I even make an appointment at the doctor? I go to the doctor and then you got to sit in the waiting room. And then once you leave the waiting room, then you go sit in the little room where they put you on the table with the little subway paper. You're like, are you going to wrap me up like a sandwich before I leave here? I, I mean, what is it? And you... No, nobody likes to wait. I get so impatient at traffic lights. The light turns green and people like for 10 seconds are still sitting there. I'm like, go, go. And by the time they go, it turns red again. And then I either have to be a good pastor and sit there or I won't tell you what I normally do. Anyway, so um, he says, wait patiently. Be quiet. Sit still. Wait on God to act. This is important. I wanted to highlight that this morning because most of us are wired with a bias towards action. When we don't know what to do, we're like, well, I'll just make something up. Well, I don't want to be quiet. I don't want to sit alone with my thoughts. I don't want to wait on God to do it. So I'm just going to keep moving, 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 moving. And yet 
David, when he's old and gray, says, man, here's what I'd encourage you to do. I'd encourage you to sit. I'd encourage you to be quiet. I'd encourage you to be silent. One of the signs that somebody's not at peace is when they're telling everybody all their stuff. One sign that somebody's trying to hear from God is they're quiet and they just wait. I'm just going to 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 wait. I'm, I, I'm not going to put God on my timetable. I'm not going to say, God, all right, answer my prayer in five seconds or less. God, I'm going to wait on you. Waiting on God is similar to waiting on the sun to rise. You cannot hurry the sun, but you can't stop it either, can you? God's going to show up and work. And here's the last one, number five. Determine to live out your full potential. Determine to live out your full potential. God made you you. He made me me. I mean, not everybody's going to be wired like Pastor Chuck with an incredible ability to, to charge into the room and call people to action. Some of you are wired differently. Some of you are detailed kind of people. We need you. Some of you are people that have empathetic hearts that when you see a need in the world, your heart breaks for them. Some of you are wired to step in and to help somebody. Some of you are gifted in the area of finances and you make more money than you need and God's given you that heart to leave a legacy. I don't know how God's wired you, but I know that we need need you to be you. At the end of our lives, God isn't going to compare us to somebody else. At the end of our lives, God's not going to be like, Bobby, why weren't you like somebody else? God's not going to look at you and say, why weren't you like that person? When God looks at us, he's basically going to ask, did you do what I called you to do? And the only way I know to do that is to bloom where we're planted. Instead of fretting and saying, man, I wish I was somewhere else with a different job, different family, different thing. What if we said, God, I trust that you have me where I am for a reason. Here's what he says in verse 9. For evildoers, they will be eliminated. That's a crazy verse, isn't it? That should be our dwell memory verse next month, right? For evildoers will be eliminated, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Those that wait on the Lord. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Whatever season you're in, whatever place you're in, whatever people are around you, whatever your provision level is, whatever your personal health score is, to bloom where you're planted and realize that all God wants is all of you and all of you is enough. Your full potential is enough. In fact, let's put the circles back on the screen if you don't mind for a moment. I want to encourage you, maybe in a month, maybe you want to do a little check-in. How's my score going? Maybe it's you're one of those people that does quarterly planning and, and uh, you know, once a quarter you want to you want to do a check-in, but what would happen if you became a person that said, instead of the hustle and bustle, instead of ignoring purpose, place, provision, personal health, people, and there may be others, but I think this is a pretty good start. What would happen if we learned to trust in the Lord, to cultivate faithfulness, to dwell with Him? In fact, if you take a look at the screen and you do a little check-in on the watering hole, what, here, here's one of the things I love about the watering hole in South Africa. <laughs> you never know what you'll see. 
these animals, if you've ever been, they, they'll migrate hundreds of miles. Literally, they will migrate hundreds of miles. They will cross deserts, right? The time zones, all the things. But here's what happens is while they may move across the country or the continent, one thing that doesn't move is that watering hole. They know where to come back to to find sustenance. In your life, you're going to move through a lot of seasons. You're going to have seasons where you're alone. You're going to have seasons where you've got family. Some of you are going to have seasons where you've got kiddos for a season. Some of you are going to be empty nesters for a season. We're all going to come and go, but the one thing that does not move is God does not move. So what would it look like for you to come back to the watering hole and say, God, I want to be near you. But then secondly, what would happen if you were at such peace that instead of going into the world and people like avoiding you, how, how many of you have known people in the office or someplace that like when you're around them, they had the spiritual gift of draining you? Do, you? do you all know those people? Don't point at them. That's not right. <laughs> what? Right, we've all been around people where when we walked away, our energy was sucked out of us. Well, what if we were the kind of people that were like that watering hole where people sought you because they knew that you were different, that you loved them, and that you were going to give life to them? What would happen if you and I, what would happen if we increased the peace? Can I pray for us this morning? If you don't mind, would you stand with me quietly and reverently? I'd love to pray for us. Pastor Zach and the team's going to sing us out before we go. But what would happen if we said, God, I want to remain in you and experience your peace? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? Is there anybody this morning that would just say, Pastor Bobby, as you pray, pray for me. I'm, the, I'm a person that would love to have more peace in my life. I would love to have the peace that passes all understanding. I would love to know the Prince of Peace. If that's you and say, hey, I want my peace score to go up, would you just quietly just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air? Yeah. Yeah, my hand's up. Let me ask the second question. Is there anybody this morning that would say, Pastor Bobby, pray for me. I want to be the kind of person that helps extend peace to other people's lives. Anybody? It's that reminder, we can't give what we don't have. Father, you've seen our hands, and more importantly, you know our hearts. Lord, help us to quit fighting. Help us to quit being so restless. Help us to quit finding security in the world. Help us to find security in you. You know, one of the things that was tempting to David that stole his peace was it felt like he was doing the right thing and he suffered while the evil people were getting ahead. David, years later, would look back and say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Maybe this morning as we pray, you'd say, God, help me to quit looking at other people. Help me to look at you. Help me not to fret. Help me not to be envious. Help me to delight in you, to commit my way to you. Help me to rest in you. Father, we give this to you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Before we leave, let's sing this out, and then we'll, we'll pray us out of here. We'll sing together.
faithful. God is so faithful. Even in the midst of us wrestling with uncertainty and worry and doubt and all those things, God still is a faithful God. So I wanna encourage you this week as you go, if you haven't grabbed one yet, grab one of the bracelets. And this week, allow that plus sign to remind you that God wants you to know the Prince of Peace. That's where true peace comes from. It doesn't come from ourselves, it comes from Him. And maybe God would use that plus sign to remind you that as you go this week, you can be a person of peace, that you can be an extender of peace, that you can be the kind of person that's like the emotional leader in the room where everything's going crazy and everything's chaotic. You just bring the sense of peace. Heavenly Father, we trust you with it. We pray that you would help us to rest in the Lord, help us to wait patiently on you, help us not to get upset because of one who's successful in his way, because of those that carry out wicked schemes. Help us to cease from anger and abandon wrath. Help us not to get upset. Help us not to step into evil doing. Help us to wait on you, the giver, the Prince of Peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. May you go in peace. Have a great day.